Are we live? Oh, there we go. We're live. Hi, guys, and um, I'd like to welcome you, uh, welcome everybody to the third and short overtime. This is our debut pod. Some of you might have been listening to us already, and some of you might have seen us already on some of the third and short earlier pods. Um, in this pod, we've got JP in the top left hand corner for me, we've got Bones, and we've also got Jordan. Um, we decided that in this pod that we would maybe try to have a little bit more of a deeper look at NFL for those guys and people who were maybe a little bit more interested and wanted to know a little bit more about particular franchises or styles of play or particular topics and such. So the draft's just been, and we're all we're watching the draft, we were all really keen. So we thought that what we'd do is our first few episodes is we would have a breakdown of each division and we've decided to do the EFC North tonight. Um, I've got the Bengals, Jordan's got the Browns, um, Bones, have you got the Steelers? I do, yeah, the Steelers. Bones has got the Steelers and JP's got the Ravens, and we're going to give ourselves 15 minutes on each franchise, and we're going to break down and have a look at what those franchises did in the draft, and maybe what they did in free agency. We're going to state the case for them a little bit, I think, and try to predict what would be a good season for them and what would be a good outlook. I mean, the draft has just been, and obviously a lot of fans are full of hope at this moment in time. It's pre-season, you know, pre-season, also known as bullshit season. <laughs> you know, like, I think it's a time of year where everybody thinks that their franchise is going to do fantastically well. I think every single franchise has a story about a player who maybe might have underperformed throughout his career, but this year he's going to make a jump. Or there might be one who's coming back off a bad injury, who's fitter than ever and ready to play 16 games. And then, of course, you know, you might have those rookies that is all signed in, in, in the draft. And I'm pretty sure that everyone would like to believe that they'll get seven starters and seven Pro Bowl contenders. But the truth of the matter is, 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 is with the draft, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. And although we all get excited by it, we we'll have to temper expectations. And I know that I've said in the past, if you find two starters in a draft, you've kind of done well. If you get one or two players who get their second contract, you're doing amazingly. I'll put this into terms, right? In the last six or seven contracts, in the last six or seven drafts, the Raiders have had Colton Miller as the only player who's made it to his second contract. Before that, it was Derek Carr. So you kind of get an idea of how hit and miss the draft can be. But if you have a couple of players who make it their second contracts, you're doing well. I don't know about you, and we'll just touch on this for five minutes with draft expectations. But I kind of go with a two, two, and two philosophy. I think if you get two starters, you get two role players, and you get two situational backup kind of players, I think you've done quite well. You know, so say for example, if you get two starters in round one and two, and you're three and four, you get a situational pass rusher or maybe a nickel corner, and then rounds five, six, and seven, if you can get some decent depth in the stick to a roster out of them rounds, you've kind of done well. Um, Jews kind of share the same philosophy as me on the draft. Yeah, I think I hope for I hope I definitely hope for the like you said in the early picks you're hoping for someone who is going to go on to a second contract, especially your first and your second round. And then as the draft gets later, I hope I think what I hope for first is like special teams impact. So when you see a defensive player like a linebacker or something gets taken in the third, fourth, it's like. Well, I hope he plays on special teams basically right away. Like, and that might be all he's ever good at. But it's a third, fourth rounder. If he impacts special teams well, then he 
it was good. And like you say, the later it gets, the more it's just about having some depth for backup in case someone does go down. Like, Yeah. I mean, I know in the past, me and JP have talked in depth about the draft and just how easy it is to get carried away, especially when there's that gap between the, you know, like um, the Super Bowl ending and the draft starting. You know, all, all I do is watch tape. All I'm doing is looking over film. All I'm doing is analysing and breaking down. And I want to believe that every single prospect is going to be amazing. But the truth of the matter is, is out of those five quarterbacks that were taken in the first round, all five aren't going to be good. There's going to be one who's going to hit. There's going to be one who's going to fail. There's going to be one who's going to struggle. So, I mean, JP, I'm going to look at you because your team drafted a quarterback before we move on to the next bit. But out of those five quarterbacks, who do you think is the dead suit? And who do you think is the one who's closest to being a failure? Oh boy, that's a question, isn't it? Um, do you know what? I think the dead it's it's boring, but I think the dead cert has got to be Trevor Lawrence, hasn't it? He's the most obvious prospect to come out of college in years. Um, I this think I said on the pod last week, boom and bust, Zach Wilson to me. Um, I'm not, I get why, I get why he's where he went, and I get why he's. He was rated as highly as he was, but he's going to a franchise that has traditionally killed quarterbacks. Um, you know, that, that I can't say that any other way. They haven't had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, and that was in 1960. So, Chad Pennington existed. Don't slay Chad Pennington. <laughs> he existed too. Good old Chad. Chad was a good, you know, Chad Pennington was a good player. They've had, they've had serviceable guys. They've had, they've had good players. I don't think they've ever had a, like a, a genuine top quarterback for years. So he looks like the obvious one. Trey Lance is a risk. You can't say he isn't. Like, we don't know much about him. I'd love to be, you know, he's a 49er pick. I'm going to back him all the way, but he's, um, He's a risk. You can't say he isn't. You, you cannot say he isn't. He's played at, a, played at a lower level and he hasn't played much at that lower level. Now, that potentially gives you a little bit more scope for improvement, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's definitely going to work out. And then after that, it's Fields, which ultimately, if Fields succeeds or fails, no one's going to no one's really going to question the Bears moving up for him. They had to do it. They haven't had a franchise quarterback for, again, a bit like the Jets. They haven't had a franchise quarterback probably for, God, I don't even know, 40 years? You know, um, so I don't think anyone will question that, whether he succeeds or fails. And Mac Jones, will it matter? He's at the Patriots. <laughs> the yeah, to that's probably work. exactly why he will do well, though, to be fair to Mac Jones in this yeah. situation. is he What he does, he does well. And what he does well, the Patriots like. And he, he will fit in that scheme. He'll probably have a decent career. I, I don't say an average career. But I think, yeah, I think he'll, he'll be a starter, whether he'll you know, be a headliner, like whether he'll be your, your Lamar Jackson or your, your Patrick Mahomes or, you know, the, the people who are always in the headlines for being yeah. good quarterbacks. Like, probably, maybe not. But, I mean, he could be. He's in the right team. I can't wait yeah. to play for the books when he's 42. He's probably going to sit the first. Sorry, go on. Um, no, no, I was going to say, just before back to the draft, um, as a Seahawks fan, I think we're all looking at like other teams looking at first and second round picks. But I've I've come to learn as a Seahawks fan that the late round picks are just as important, especially like as a team like Seahawks. You see people like Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman picked up late who become really, really like 
franchise like players and stuff and i know we're all excited about the first and second round picks but you can pick up just as good a player later on in the rounds so don't be thinking oh switch off because it's a sixth seventh round pick you know yeah i mean i was just about to ask you a question but late and like, actually funny you draw and see so you preempted it but it's a bit <laughs> like that bill walsh scene isn't it it doesn't matter where you pick them it's who you pick you know i mean he used to see if you it doesn't matter. We did this. We took Leatherwood, and if Leatherwood looks great, it doesn't matter like he was a first round reach. You know what I mean? Though it doesn't. No one's going to remember that if he's on his third or fourth Pro Bowl and he's making his, his third contract with the Raiders. You know what I mean? Though no one's going to remember that we reached from, and that's the truth. You know, Max Crosby. Does anybody remember? Is anybody going to remember what round we took him in if he hits the second contract? Truth of the matter is, is it's not. It's not where you pick them. It's who you pick. And my question to Jordan was. You know, is is draft capital overrated anyway? You know, you've got you've got two teams in the NFC West. You've got the LA Rams and you've got the Seattle Seahawks, who both of them are perennial pro, pro bowl players. This, the Rams haven't had a first round draft pick since Goff, I want to think. And the Seahawks have practically burnt every single first round draft pick they've had on, you know, talent that would never be rated in the first round. Or like this year, just not have one. You know, so you know, is is the is draft capital overrated? Media, I guess, is the question I want to ask you, Jordan. You know, I suppose, yeah. Looking as a Seahawks fan, I'd say, yeah, yeah, it is. But obviously, it just depends. Um, I think um, when you when you're making a roster, I think the people that you've got behind you, like your GM and stuff, some people are really good at finding that first round talent and things like that. So I I wouldn't know the percentages off my head, and you could probably go back and research it. But there will be certain franchises who where draft capital is not important. But and some people will be able to pick up first rounders where you'd say the draft capital is important. But on a whole, no, because you especially when you've got so many picks, you know, like the Vikings this year had like I can't remember how many, well, ten to twelve picks. There's um, a good chance that some of the later ones would probably be better than the than the first and second round ones. So I suppose it, it can fluctuate both ways, you know, we'd be looking at each team really i mean i've always kind of had like a, a scattershot approach i think the drafting it's either you go in and you do your scouting really well and you're, you're a team like the rams like and you've got les Snead as your gm who's really good well the best young gms in the game and he's out there getting starters in the third and fourth round or you do what the radars do and you throw multiple picks in areas of need you know like what we did with clay Fowler and max cosby like what we did with Damon Arnett and Amick Robertson, you know, like, um, you know, Ruggs and Edwards. You know, what we do traditionally is if we've got an area of need, like this year, let's see if he were drafted three of them, you know, like we'll, we'll throw multiple picks at them. You know, one safety's not enough. So what we'll do is, is we'll take Murray and we'll come back and we'll get Gillespie and we'll get Divine Di uh, Diablo. You know what I mean? And we'll throw multiple picks at areas of need, hoping that one will stick. Because it is, it's a bit of a crapshoot to draft. Anyway, I want to move on from that. That was just a little bit of an intro. Let that, you know, the kind of topics that we'd be talking about in future episodes. This episode, though, we're doing the EFC North. We're going to do about 15 minutes of franchise. We're going to drill into each franchise, maybe bring up some questions about them that we really want, that we hope to have answered in 2021. I mean, EFC North itself is a really interesting division. You know, it's, it's a tough, hard-nosed NFL division. You know, which is predicated on run because of the weather. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a blue collar, and I hate that term because it seems a bit too Springsteen. But it's a, blue, it's a blue collar environment, you know, where you've got Ohio and Pittsburgh 
and you've got Baltimore's the you know as the, as the regions where the teams come from. The weather's biting. It's built on defense and running offense. Um, and last year, they had three teams that went to the AFC playoffs. You know, yeah. with the addition of the with the addition of the extra wild card, they sent three teams to it. And I, and I, and I think they might do it again this year. <laughs> truth be yeah. told. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to do the Bengals. We're doing this in alphabetical order. So it's me first. Um, we're going to do an imaginary clock, but we're going to start with 15 minutes. Okay, so <laughs> the Bengals. I hope Yaman's watching. This is for you, mate. I deliberately chose the Bengals so I could kind of deflate your bubble, you know. Um, <laughs> so, do, <laughs> so do I like what the Bengals have done? Um, ultimately, you know, I kind of have. I kind of have Zach Taylor's there in his third season. Um. He hasn't got the greatest record. I mean, did anybody expect him to when he took over? He had that horrendous situation where they couldn't find a defensive coordinator for God knows how long, and Jack Del Rio turned them down, and they kept on giving people offers, and they kept on knocking them back, and in the end, I still don't know who their defensive coordinator is today. So, you know, I don't think it's of anybody of note. But, um, you know, like, you know, this is his third season, and the truth of the matter is, it's a make-or-break season for Zach Taylor, whilst I don't think they're going to have a winning record. I think they want to be pushing closer towards seven or eight wins, you know, like from staying in that position. Um, the Bengals, as a franchise, don't stick with their head coaches for a while. You know what I mean? They're pretty loyal. They haven't had a lot of head coaches over their franchise history. You know, the two, they do tend to give them time. Um but yeah, I mean, when we look at we look at the situation they're in, you know what I mean. They've, they've done everything to put themselves into a position to be. I'm not going to say they're going to be competing in this, you know, like in this crammed division. But really, you know, like they need to be six. They need to be six wins minimum this year. They've got to be six years. They're six wins minimum. You know, they've got Joe Burrow, exciting young quarterback. You know, unfortunate with injuries last year. But the time that he played, he came in and showed he can be a quarterback in an NFL franchise. Kid done really well. Needed protecting. I think everybody and anybody thought they would go offensive line in round one. They didn't. They came and they got the LSU standout wide receiver, got Jamal Chase, who was, of course, Joe Burrow's partner at LSU in that championship season. Personally, I love the move. And I think when you look at this, you know, like, it's so important to keep your franchise quarterback happy today. We're seeing what's happening with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You know, if you, if you, you know, if, if you, if your franchise quarterback standing on the table for someone, you know, like it's pretty wise to listen to them. And I remember that Joe Burrow wasn't that thrilled to go to Cincinnati Bengals pre-draft year and then tales about not wanting to be there and he was hoping that they would pass on them and he wouldn't get picked there or someone would trade up. So getting Jamal Chase has, 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 has got to be a back end towards that guy as well. Um. Jamal Chase, the top and bottom bit is this. They could have went Penny Sewell. But there's a thing that I call grouping in the draft, you know, where you've got your horizontal board, which obviously you list your top, you know, draft prospects on your horizontal board. But then you've got your vertical board, which shows them per position. And if you've got a deep position like we had this year in offensive tackle, and you look at what you had in wide receiver, you go, well, what's the drop-off between Penny Sewell and what we'll get in the second round or Jamar Chase and what we'll get in the second round? And they clearly went, you know what it is, the drop-off between Jamar Chase and whatever second-round wide receiver we get, Rondale Moore, De'Ami Brown, uh, Marshall, 
you know, another LSU player, you know, Marshall Jr., is far greater than the drop-off between Sewell and whatever we'll get there in round two. And they went with Jamal Chase. And I don't think it was a bad move at all. I thought it was quite a good draft pick. What I think was a bad move was trading back in the second round. <laughs> you know, when they, when they traded back in that second round, they had Liam Eikenberg on the board. They had Tevin Jenkins on the board. Um, and they traded back, and they traded back with uh, New England, who jumped up to get Christian Barmore. The very next pick, Chicago Bears traded up, took Tevin Jenkins. And a couple of picks later, you had Liam Eikenberg who left as well. I think he went to Carolina. And all of a sudden now, the, Brown, the, the, the Bengals are sitting there and they're going, oof. No doubt they probably would have liked those two. Missed out on the opportunity. Personally, I would have just sat and took Tevin Jenkins. Um, instead, what happened is, is they, they took Jackson Carmen, who was a 21-year-old from Clemson. Good player. You know, I think he's going to probably end up a score there. He has very short arms. He played left tackle in Clemson. I think he's probably a guard in the NFL, which probably tells me as well that Cleveland were probably happy with what they had in Riley Reef and Jonah Williams. Because had the dot, you know what I mean, had the had the had the they would have took Sewell. And I don't think Sewell was maybe on their agenda because if they wanted a tackle, they could have got Sam Cosme instead of instead of Jackson Carmen. But instead they took the guy who was a bit more versatile, who could play God. And he'll start off with God, Reef and William uh, Jonah Williams will, will man the two corner will man the two uh, tackles and he might move out the right tackle in his future, you know what I mean, as he grows older and picks up the nuances of the game. But day one, he's going to start off with God, which kind of tells me that Penny Sewell might not have been on the board for them. They might have been, they might have been considering Jamal Chase way earlier than any of us expected. And maybe it didn't take Joe Bower being on the table for them. Um, you know, though, you know, I look, I look at the other picks and there's a few picks I like. There's a few players who I like in this draft. they got... They've got Asai, the kid from Texas, you know, like Joseph Asai in round yeah, three. Yeah. I really fancied him as a round two prospect. He's a, he's a stand-up edge, hand-in-the-dirt hybrid. I think he's probably going to find himself settled in a linebacker in the NFL. I don't think he's going to have the size or the power to play with his hand-in-the-dirt consistency. I think he's going to end up a linebacker in the NFL, but he's versatile. And versatility will normally make an impression in its first year, even if it is just in special teams or as a situational player. I think he'll probably find himself as a linebacker. I like Cam Sample, the kid from Tulane, who they took. I like, I like Shelvin, the massive nose tackle, who they took out of LSU. You know, they did quite well. They did quite well in those middle rounds. And I think that when all said and done, they'll have a, they'll have a good start on Chase. And they'll probably find another solid starter between Carmen, Asai, and Sample. And at the very least, out of the remaining two, you're going to have a good situational player. So if we go back to my earlier theory, probably going to have themselves a pretty decent draft. Now I'm looking down and I'm thinking, who in their later rounds might be a name to keep an eye on? And um, Chris Evans, the running back out of Michigan, is a really good talent. And they did bring back a uh, running back. I forgot his name now. Um, or... Is it? I can't remember his name. But did bring back a running back. He might Evans might find himself stashed on the on the, on the depth chart, you know. But um, he was a good player at Michigan. Didn't really work out for him at Michigan, but that was more Michigan's fault than it was Evans' fault. Meant to have a few off-field questions about him, but he's a good player and he might make it stick there. You know, we've seen we've seen worse players do well 
in the NFL. And running backs in particular, doesn't really matter what round you draft them in. If the line in front of them's doing their job, they're gonna make some they're gonna make some improvements. Um, you know, I'm gonna wrap it up with their free agency. Thought they had a pretty good free agency, truth be told. Um, they lost some big pieces. You know, Geno Atkins was a big cut. You know, he's been there for a while and he's been a stalwart of that team. Uh, AJ Green is another player, of course, who moved on. Uh, didn't quite look good, did he, in 2020, coming back from my injury. And he's never been fit for a while. Um, terrific player when he came into the NFL. You know, him and Julio Jones were in the same yeah. draft class. And uh, AJ Green was a tremendous player when he came in out of Georgia. Looked really good. Um, but yeah, injuries have took a toll. He's gone on to Cavalier. He's gone on to the Cardinals, sorry. And uh, that opened up the place for Jamal Chase to come into. Um, William Jackson, the third. I really liked him as a corner, but the truth of the matter is, is I don't think the I don't think the defense suited him. You know, he's a long press man corner. Did well in his rookie year and his year after his sorry, his, his, his second season. But he was um he was snapped up by Washington on a big contract. He'll be a miss. But I think the, the strangest loss was the Carl Lawson loss. You know, Carl Lawson was allowed to leave him free agency. And the, I think what's even more strange about it is how they brought in Trey Hendrickson. So I have a theory. Don't draft another team's number two and pay him like your number one. You know, Trey Hendrickson was on the New Orleans Saints roster. What does the New Orleans Saints have? Talent. Stacked. You've got Cam Jordan on the opposite side lining up at defensive end. No one's going one-on-one -on -one with him. You know, they're doubling him every single time. So Trey Hendrickson's in a position straight away to be able to get sacks. Secondly, as well, the, the Saints have always got a lead. So you know what the Saints get the opportunity to do a lot? Pass rush, because they've always got a lead. You know, so they, they know the other team's passing to try and catch them. So their defensive ends are worried about a run. They're just pinning their yards back and going for the quarterback every single play. Mm -hmm. You know, and then that, I mean, don't get me wrong, Trey Hendrickson had a good sack, sack total last year. But everything was keyed up for him to do so. You know, on the other side, you've got Carl Lawson, you know, who's been a steady eight and nine sack season player. And he played for the Bengals, so we know that they're not going to be playing with a lead. His limitations, he's got limited opportunity to pass rush. He's, he's seeing double teams and everything because he hasn't got Cam Jordan opposite him. And the guy's generating pressure. I would have just been tempted to keep Carl Lawson. You know, like I would have just been tempted to keep him and and let him stay at the franchise. I don't know whether they've upgraded with Trey Hendrickson. You know, Chidobe Owuzi, the kid from Colorado, who I really liked, who played for the Cowboys, had COVID in 2000. You know, like, he's a young talent who they've gambled on. You know, he's a, he's a good corner. But I'm not too sharp. He's a nickel corner. If he's an outside corner, which makes it a bit of a head-scratcher when you think, well, they signed Mike Hilton as well from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's an excellent nickel corner. So you think, well, I'm presuming they're going to put Ch Ch uh, Chidobi Awuzi on the outside. Um, he's got the length three. He's about 5'11", 6 foot. He's probably got the length of the outside corner. But um, I always thought he was better in nickel in, in Dallas, you know. So there's, there's a question there. Larry Ogunjobi has come across from the Cleveland Browns to play inside and play to Geno Atkins. That, 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 in all intents and purposes, looks like a a good replacement for where Gene Watkins was in his last year of his career, you know. And of course, Riley Reef Riley Reef the ball in short the tackle, you know, he's he's not a bad player at all, a steady pro. And 
one of the players I like to bring in of note over the half ball back is uh, Eli Apple. Um, Eli Apple, ex Raider, ex New York Giant, ex uh, Saint, is uh, found his way off the roster. You know, the kid's talented, though. That's the thing, you know, when he was at Ohio, he had talent. He had talent. But I've always said, you know, be wary of Big Ten cornerbacks. The Big Ten isn't known for its passing. The Big Ten is a bit like the EFC North. It's a run-heavy college program. You know, like, there's not a lot of, of premier wide receivers that come out of there. Um, you know, when we look at the corners that were being drafted out of that, Gaylon Conley, you know, Eli Apple, um, the, the lad of Akuda, who used took last year, Damon Arnett. You know, <laughs> when, we look, when we look at Big Ten corners, Jordan Lewis, you know, who's at the, um, who, who's at the Dallas Cowboys, you know, most of them have, have struggled. The only one I've known is probably Latimer. You know, who's at, uh, yeah, who's at, who's at New Orleans? Um, so, you know, be wary of Big Ten corners. And Eli Apple, you know, all the talent in the world. He was a high draft pick by the Giants. He found himself on his fourth franchise in about six years. <laughs> uh, but there's talent, there's talent there to be had. Um, I mean, that's as much as a case I can state for the Bengals. I don't know if you've got any questions off the bat of that. I feel like they're improving and the needle's moved a little bit, which it needs mm. to. I think they're probably good for six wins minimum. I wouldn't expect anything else out of them this season. Yeah, I think six wins is about right. Um, you've got to remember they're starting from next to nothing. Think about how bad they were the year they got <laughs> the number one pick and drafted Burrow. They, they the talent level was genuinely probably expansion franchise level, with the exception of one or two players. They're clearly trying to build quite quite slowly and quite deliberately, and they're not doing anything outlandish, which is probably the right way to do it. I was a bit surprised they took Chase in round one. I think we talked about that last week. I was a bit surprised they didn't go Sewell. I still am to an extent, but every argument that's been put forward for it, I, I totally understand. Um, I understand why people are... What's that? Button, it, meant, it meant we could pick him. So, do you know what the thing is about that pick, though? Like, they could have had Chase and they could have had Eichenberg. If that pick had went mm. Chase and, and Tevin Jenkins, you know, we, we would have been going, what a great, what a great yeah. move by, by, by Cincinnati Bengals. They missed an opportunity. The fact that it went Chase and Jackson Carmen now looks really bad because it could have been Penny Sewell. And it could have been Marshall Jr., you know what I mean? I or it could have been De'Ami uh, Brown or something like that. Yeah, I think that makes it look worse. Like, I totally get the grouping argument. And you're probably right. Chase was, you know, Chase was far and away the best receiver in the draft. But it's that thing of, like, okay, drop into the second round, get your offensive lineman in the second. But get the right one and I, I just I just don't know that they did I, they they obviously see it differently Riley Reef is a solid veteran as well I don't hate that but it, it's just I don't know I, I feel like it, they've put themselves in a situation where 12 months from now we're still going to be saying yeah they need that foundational piece on the O-line I still think they're missing that this possible these wide receivers these days come into the come into the NFL they come pro ready whereas Sewell He's he's good. He's a cornerstone piece, and he will be with hopefully us for a long time. But he's he's definitely going to have some development. Whereas Chase is going to Chase is going to start straight away, and Burrow is going to be able to throw to him. Like there is also that side of it, I guess. Like if they they're in a tough division, like like Mark said at the start, they sent three teams. Like this is not an easy division to compete in. Like if you want people yet- who are going to challenge straight away, like. 
and as we said, this this division is built on defense and offensive lines. It's built on trenches. It's built on offensive lines winning the battle against the defensive line to either generate the run or hold up long enough to pass. And I don't think that the Bengals move the line enough to be able to do that. I still think that Joe Burrow is going to be under pressure. I don't think Jackson Carmen is going to come in and move the needle much if he plays tackle. I imagine they're going to play him at guard. But the honest the, the argument is they could have they could have got Tevin Jenkins had they not traded out. And they could have put him in at guard. Some people were saying he was going to be a guard, not a tackle. And I do not get why they decided to trade back. I'm not too yeah. sure what they got out of it, to be honest with you. I'm presuming they got an extra fourth because they had three four-round picks. And they got a tackle there in Deontay Smith from East Carolina, who I kind of like. You know, but, you know, I, I, I would have just took Tevin Jenkins. For me, they missed a real opportunity there. Um, I think um, with the Bengals, going back to that, I think I personally think they'll have less than six wins. Because I look at the schedule... And obviously, with them finishing bottom last season, obviously, you think they'd have an easier time of it. But all the the games that they think they should win are all away. So if you look at like the home, the home they've got the Ravens, Browns, and um, the Steelers, obviously, and they've got Packers, Chiefs, Chargers, Jaguars, 49ers, and Vikings all at home. So the ones that you would expect them to win, like the Jets, like they've got the Raiders, Lions, are all away. So I think it could be a struggle for them again this year. Yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point. The, 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 you, you could be looking at a team here who, like, you know, like next year could be picking number one again. And that's the truth of the matter. I think I, I think that's a really tough division. And I think that the... the, the I look at these off-season signings and I'm like, I, I like what they've done. You know, like, I mean, let's face it, Jackson the third and Gino Atkins and Green were all going downhill. Carl Lawson, head scratcher, you know, he was a good player. I like I like the players have brought in, but I still don't think it's enough to catch up in this tough division. Like you know, That's anyway, we're going to move. Yeah, we're going to we're going to move off the Bengals. We've probably had about 15, 20 minutes on them, so I'm going to move over to Jordan, and Jordan's going to stake his case for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and I must admit, I do like the claim of the Cleveland Browns. That I think they've done fantastic. You know, in in pre agency and the off season, um, just looking. Looking at them straight away, I looked. I went back and watched the Chiefs game. You know where they just kind of came up short, and a lot of it was the secondary. You know, like the um, that they needed that needed addressing really, and and they have addressed it really well. To be honest with you, if we just start off with a draft, obviously, when I looked at the draft, and I just thought that they're in a position to pick their players the best availability. You know, because they because they did so well in free agency. So you got to the first pick, and Greg Newsom were there. It was, it's not something that they needed over other stuff, but it was just. A fantastic cornerback to pick up, you know, at that position. But the best pick has got to be, you know, obviously at the time, I can't remember exactly what it was. Was it a heart problem with um, Russo Karamoa that seems to the problem that slipped him down? Supposedly, but, yeah. And, apparently, it, it's it's nothing, but we'll, we'll see. But to get him at pick 52, I know they traded back up to get him, but to get him at pick 52, it's got, it could be an absolute fantastic pickup for them because when when you watch the browns they play they play with three linebackers they play four three but sometimes they have to play with three safeties three corners they really mix it up a bit and Russo Karamoa is is he is a linebacker but he could easily fit into a safety you know the mold of him and stuff you know he, he can be a, he can drop into a safety and you could see him being a free down a free down a player for him i think it's um you know his speed and coverage you know his ability to to line up and you wouldn't know just the unexpected from where he's lining up could really fool 
um, you know, the offences, you know, I think it's a fantastic pickup for them. It's probably one of my favourite ones in the draft, to be honest with you, you know, in general, you know, really good. And then obviously you look at the other players, they've got Anthony Schwartz, he's another fa- another good pickup. You know, I don't know how many snaps he get this year. He's got his, his lightning fast, absolutely. Very, very quick. And again, I don't know how many snaps he'll get this year, but I look at Odell and how long is he... he how long is he going to be there? He might even move on next season. So I think in the long run, it would be a good signing. And James Hudson, I know how much Mark raves about James Hudson. And another another place in the position where it's like a fantastic pickup in uh, round four, but they were, they were in the ability to pick up the best player available. You know, um, and you've got Tony Fields. The only one that I'm not saying he's a bad player, but when they picked up Richard LeCount in round five, I looked at the board and five spots ahead were Jamar Johnson. And I thought maybe they could have traded up to go get him. Now, I'm, I'm kind of nitpicking here, you know, like he is a really good player, but you might be throwing away a pick to, to like go get him and didn't, didn't feel they need him. But that's probably my personal opinion that he's better. But And then obviously the last pick with Dimitri Felton, who's um, again, not short at right running back position, the Browns whatsoever, but it's another just extra pickup for him to use and he's it can be used in many ways you know like he's a real like trickster so another good pickup pick up there i really love the draft i thought i thought it were fantastic from them you know um i, I do really fancy him to win this division you know it's done between them and the ravens you know i think i've got browns just picking ravens but we'll see but <laughs> They've lost us stacked. I mean, they've lost us absolutely stacked. You look on that team, and you and let's take Mayfield at the end of the season. You know when he when he was playing really well. You look at that team, and you pick out weakness on that team. I find it hard to pick one. I would probably say that they're in the top three rosters in the NFL on paper yeah. at this moment in time. It's stacked, and like you, Jordan, I love what they did with Russell Collamore. At the time, I questioned it. I thought, oh, is he a big enough linebacker to play in the AFC North? You know, he's, he comes in at about 215, 220 pounds. And then I remembered what Jeremiah Wosukamoa is. I think you'll see some snaps at safety. I think he'll see some snaps in nickel. I think he'll be put over the tight end and you'll be allowed to rush the passer. I think he'll be everything that the thought Jabril Tetas was going to be, of course, in the left yeah. to the Giants. And I think that's how they'll use them. They'll use them like a chess piece. You'll probably see some snaps and safety, nickel corner a lot. And I think they'll be really good. Schwartz was a good pickup for me. I'm an Auburn fan. Auburn's my college team. So I get to watch short. I got to watch shorts and I just thought if he was in a situation where he didn't have Bo Nicks throwing him the ball, you know, if Auburn had a quarterback and in the in the weren't so inaccurate and so inept in that area, this kid would have been a higher draft pick. I really like what I saw in the tape. You know, so it's like, yeah, the it's like I'll try to find a weakness, and and the only thing I could think of, and it's not again, I'm I'm trying to find something that's probably not there. Obviously, like you said, Larry Young and Joby went to um, over to the to the Bengals. They lost lost Sheldon Richardson, but the people that they've got in, you know, they've got Malik Jackson at the Eagles, who's who's not the worst pickup in free agency. They've got um, they've picked up Tommy Tagoye from um, Ohio State, who could still do a job. And, and I've got to mention this one. Picked up um, Malik McDowell in free agency, who was a Seahawk, a Seahawks signed in 2017, the second round. Who never saw a snap. He never. He, were meant, he looked like he was going to be really a decent, a decent player for the Seahawks. But 
I'm not going to go into his, his troubles that he had because I'll be here all night, but he, he never saw a snap. But they've obviously, I don't know if he's turned, they've taken a chance on him. They can probably afford to. It looks like he's turned turned his, his life round, but we will see. But that is the only thing I could find, really. Andrew Billing to come back as well. He, he, he was signed, wasn't he? And he didn't play last year because um, of a COVID. He, he opted out. So I am really nitpicking at defensive tackle. But apart from that, I see I see no weaknesses. The two players they picked up from the Rams, you know, Troy Hill and um, Josh Johnson, fantastic free agency pickups from the Rams. They're, they're in the Rams. They were in the Rams defense that was ranked number one last year in like yeah. most of the rankings and stuff. I, I really think the Browns are in. I know you. I know you keep saying, Mark, and I do agree with the Chiefs are going to be hard to turn over. But if anyone can turn them over, I feel like it will be the Browns. Yeah, I mean, if, if they get, if they sorry, if they get some kind of home field advantage in the playoffs, who's going to want to go to Cleveland in the winter? Yeah. You yeah, know, who's yeah. going to want to play football in Cleveland in January? Nobody is. And I think we're over. You know, like they've got Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney's going to kick inside and play as much defensive tackle as as he is end. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think I think he'll help build the hole at least on third down, which is what Ogun Joby was a third down interior pass rusher. Mm. I think we're probably going to see Jadavian Clowney build some that hole. Very good team. That arrows up on them, like, you know. Obviously, you know more about him as well. I haven't really seen much of him, but they've also picked up McKinley from Raiders, haven't they? I don't know how he did over at your end. Or... <laughs> Didn't really make an impression. I don't, I don't think he got off the practice squad, but the funny thing is, is we're going to get a compensatory pick out of it, probably a sixth rounder, which is great, you know, like probably the first, Raiders' first compensatory pick in a bloody decade. It'll be a sixth rounder, but he was a first round talent, though. He was a first-round talent when Atlanta took him, so maybe they see something and, you know, you never know. I mean, John yeah. Bones, I mean, I'm sure you was eager to yeah. have something to see on the Browns. Um, I, I, I love what the Browns have been doing, probably for probably even going back to Mayfield, to be honest, which I know they took a lot of, a lot of stick for at the time, but fair play, that was John Dorsey, obviously, standing by what he thought, what his evaluation was. Could people say he was wrong? I, I don't really think so. Um no, I really, I really like what they've done. And you mentioned, uh, Jordan, you mentioned them turning over the Chiefs. To be honest, they should have done it last year. They had the chances. You know, they, they were in the game right up to the end. I remember watching that game and coming away from it thinking maybe two or three players, two or three decisions cost them the game. So they're not as far away as I think people mentally think they are because it's the Browns and people go, oh, the Browns can't possibly be good. Like, that, that seems to be the thing. It seems to be people's scepticism with the Browns, to me, is more rooted in the Browns of the last 20 years and not necessarily who they are, who they are now. I think they're a really good football team. I, I, I've got the Ravens, so I'm not going to shit on my own analysis, but I, I've got the Browns winning this division because I do think they are that good. I think Josh Great Jones football team. Yeah, Sorry, great yeah. football team, shite uniform. That's the Browns, isn't it? Like, <laughs> really, really far uniform, you know what I mean? No, but really, really good football team this year, I think. Bones, are you going to I, I like something that you said, though, like about playing in the North. Like, because obviously we play indoors, so it's a bit of a cop out. But there are teams in the North that don't play indoors, and the Browns are one of them. And we've seen it with Green Bay a few times. Rogers has, a, I think it was this year when he was on one of the. Pat McAfee shows that he's on. Um, he said, you just got to embrace the suck. When you play at home and it's snowy and it's winter, you're used to it. You're from there. You just embrace the suck and hope that the other team hurts more. And that's how you win. And if they do get that home field advantage, I really, I would love to see them turn over the Chiefs in this situation. I think, if anything, like, like you all said, 
they are stacked, right? It is hard to pick a particular position that they have done a bad job of either bringing people in or drafting at. Even like all the questions about Baker Mayfield, it, like you said, it's hard to argue with any of them at this point. It does look like the right decision was made. And yeah, I, I really, I, I hope the Browns do well. Like I really do. I think um, the spine that they've got, like when like, I go back to watching that Chiefs game when, when they lost, it was, I don't think there's anything wrong with their offense last year. It was, it was just mainly their defense where they didn't have some big play, big players to make big plays. And and Josh Johnson from the Rams, he, he was the um, he was the he was the captain, the defensive play caller in, in you know in the backfield. I think it's going to be a fantastic um, pickup for them. You know, just to have someone at the back with a cool head. He's only twenty five years old, and he's in, and he's you see what he did at the Rams. You know, especially last year. I think the, the, when I was digging into the Browns, the only thing that obviously this isn't for this season, but. And we know that salary cap can be a um, can be moved around and do stuff. But going into his fifth year, this is his fifth year this year, and you've got Baker Mayfield in his fourth and his fifth, and, and they're quite close to the cap at the moment. So it might be something to look out for in a few years' time. Where is it? Is it these next two years where they're going to make a big push for it? Which it looks like they're kind yeah. of they're in a window. They're in a window. They're all Hopefully definitely in do a window. what the books do and just prove that the salary cap doesn't matter about. Like you can just do make whatever a, you want. Make a vanish. Sign a Taysom Hill. Sign a Taysom Hill contract. Seven years, seventy-five million dollars, and it's all voidable. Like <laughs> how rich? How rich is the Cleveland Browns owner? How much can he stump up in a? You know, like in 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 um in bonuses and signing bonuses and all that stuff. Because that's how you make the, the cap vanish, isn't it? You give them a big massive upfront bonus and you know, like, and then you you give them like a one million contract over four years because you paid them. 55 million a big bonus kind of big signing bonus but you need to have a mega rich owner like the Rams have got or something like that to be able to do that haven't you yeah, I think um, they'll do whatever they can to keep Mayfield around definitely I think that's going to be yeah. when that signing comes up like he's going to be worth if he, if this keeps up if this current roster keeps up he's going to be worth money isn't he like he's going to get his payday and he's probably going to deserve it as well I think that's the thing you know that's the thing with quarterbacks isn't it like you know, Mayfield's not a top 10 quarterback, but when he gets paid, he's going to get paid like a top five quarterback. <laughs> you know, because that, like, you're continually resetting the markup. So you've got this guy who's probably in the, you know, fifth round about the 15th range, middle of the road NFL quarterback, maybe a little bit higher. His ceiling might be a little bit higher. You know what I mean, though? But then, you know, he's going to get paid like a top five quarterback when he gets paid because quarterbacks get that kind of dollar, don't they? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. As the guy in the chat, whoever's running the third and short Facebook page at the moment, says Mayfield's going to want the big money. And yeah. absolutely right. If they repeat last year, even never mind going a step further, he's going to get some big cash coming in the way. I think, yeah, I, I really like what Berry and Stefanski have done. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it because I know we're going to give our, our predictions at the end. So I won't, I won't spoil it for you. Nobody's well. We'll move off the Browns now. Thanks very much, Black Jordan. Really good analysis there. I admit, oh, an exciting team. You know, they're not the Browns of old. And we're going to move on to um, the English isn't very good, but I guess that R becomes comes before <laughs> S. So we're going to move. We're going to we're going to move on to you, JP, for your for your Ravens, eh, for your Ravens, for your Ravens breakdown. <laughs> I want to do the Raiders when we get to your division, though. Yeah, you're um... welcome to me. <laughs> <laughs> the Ravens, Jesus. Um, I, I've been watching NFL since I was 15 years old. So, for those of you that want to know my age, that was 2005. Um, and then the entire time I've been watching the NFL, the Ravens have pretty much been consistently a solid team. 
they weren't always the flashiest team, especially under Billick, but they've always been there or thereabouts. And obviously, since John Harbo came in, they've been you know they've been a lot better. Part of the reason for that, and I realised this as I was writing my analysis down, drafting, they get it right more often than most teams do. I, I, I don't have the I don't have all the picks in front of me, but I feel like the Ravens get more right than most teams do. More more of the big picks right. You know, you think about getting like Lamar Jackson at the tail end of the first round and things like that. So they went out this year. First of all, they had to deal with some losses in free agency. They lost um, guys like Judon, which, you know, big loss, but replaceable losses, I think, is always the thing with the Ravens. They lose players all the time. I think back to, like, years ago when they were losing the likes of Adelis Thomas and people like that who were, like, genuinely top, versatile, brilliant defensive players. But they always seem to find a way to replace them. Um, you know, so they lost a couple of guys, but they kept some guys too. You know, they, they kept Bowser around, which I actually think he's on he's on the verge of a real breakout season. He's a really good player. Um, even guys like McPhee, who's not like a huge deal, but he's just that experienced head that they always seem to have like three or four of. You need guys that have been there before, that have done it before. Um, you know, they kept those guys around that. I thought they did a really good job of that. Um, and then they went out and made a bit of a splash, in my view. They went and got Zeitler, um, you know, the guard in free agency. I... I don't think they would have expected him to be on the market because it was a bit of a surprise that uh, that he was let go. But I actually think that that's the kind of player that the Ravens like paying good money to. Guys that, and it's largely because of what you said earlier about the AFC North. It's blue collar football. It's it's run the ball, especially with Lamar Jackson in there. Run the ball, sm- you know, smashing a team 30, 40 times a game and, and win the battle at the line of scrimmage. A guy like Zeitler, to me, that's a huge signing. And when I looked at the roster, and I'll come to that in a sec, you know, I'll come to that in more detail in a sec. When I looked at the roster, if I'm looking for weaknesses, depth was probably it. There was there was a little bit of like, okay, they've got issues here, they've got issues here. So they went out and threw some money at him. I thought that made sense. Um, they've obviously looked at the offense. I think they need to diversify a little bit as well. Uh, Lamar's been Lamar's been incredible. I, I don't think anybody can say otherwise. He, in some respects, he's changed the game. I don't think I've ever seen, and bear in mind, I, I support a franchise that ran with Kaepernick for three years. I've, I've seen those kind of like game-changing quarterbacks that can run the ball that are a genuine threat, but I've never seen anything like Lamar Jackson. We we could not play him. Even in the Super Bowl year, we, we could not get anywhere near him. Um, and he, Again, I'll come to the weakness in a sec. There is one, and you know it might not be... Uh, it might not be what you think it is, but yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I like the moves they made in free agency. I thought they did solid work. I think the best a team, a, a top team, can do in free agency a lot of the time is maintain the level, not get any worse, not necessarily get better. They might get a little bit better, but they're not a team that's gonna. If you need us here and it's like that close to the end, you're not suddenly going to move it all the way over here with a free agency move. You might move it a little bit, and I think that's pretty much what they did with guys like Zeitler. Um, they took a bit of a flyer on Watkins. I don't really know what to think of that. He, he's got he's got injury problems, but he gives them a threat they don't, you know, perhaps they don't have. Um, he's been on teams that have won the big one. He's he's one of those guys that helps a big arm quarterback. You know, I think I think there's some, and at the end of the day, the finances of it make total sense as well. I I got no issue with what they've done there. Um, yeah, free agency wise, solid, not spectacular, but solid. It, it, 
the Ravens are a team that understand that you can't win the Super Bowl in March. They understand that what you do in March is keep your roster solid, give yourself options going into the draft. And I think that really showed them what they did in the draft as well. Obviously, we saw them trade away um, Orlando Orlando Brown to um, to Kansas. I don't think they would have wanted to do that. He's, he's a very good lineman, you know, but it, it was pretty clear that he wanted his way out. They weren't going to be able to pay him what he wanted. And ultimately, with guys like Stanley in there, they could probably get away with it. Um, so I think, and, and to be honest, they did pretty well out of the deal. You know, they ended up with two picks at the back end of the first round, give them a bit of flexibility. I like what they did there. I think they'll be okay. In terms of what they actually did with the picks, um, obviously, I know you liked him, Mark. Uh, Bateman from Minnesota, wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people kind of had him in that late first, early second sort of bracket. I, I think it makes... It's an interesting one because there was a number of receivers that were sort of like in that bracket, you know, late first, early second. I think the Ravens went and got the guy that they thought fit their offense and what they needed. They needed an X receiver and they needed someone physical. Again, it's AFC North stuff. You know, you look at teams like Cleveland. We've talked about Cleveland. They play a lot of press man. They're going to be quite physical. They're going to, you know, going to try and knock you off the ball. You need players that are going to get open against that. And I think, although he had you know, a bit of a mixed college career at times. I think he was a good pick, and I think he'll develop quite nicely there. And they won't ask him to do a ton straight away. They've already got Hollywood Brown and, obviously, Andrews at tight end and people like that as well. They've got, they've got threats passing the ball. Bateman's not the only, you know, not the guy they're going to rely on. They're not going to come in and ask him to, you know, catch for a 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. But he will probably do – he'll probably have a solid year. He'll probably give Lamar – Something that he badly needs, another reliable target. So I like that pick. I think it made a lot of sense. I'd, the only place I thought they might go is is maybe an edge to replace Judon, but then, of course, they did that with the second pick anyway. Um, you know, I, I thought that was a sensible pick as well. It's classic Ravens, isn't it? They, they watch someone go in free agency for ridiculous money, and then they go, right, okay, well, we can get a player that ultimately might not be as good, but it won't make that much of an impact if we get him and we can develop him then. We've got him on a rookie contract for four or five years, paying him rookie money. We've got flexibility to pay people like Jackson, you know, like those sort of players, the the true standouts on the team. And then five years' time, he'll probably go in free agency to somewhere that's willing to pay a shit ton of money. You know, that that's that's just the way that they work. It's the way they've always worked. And I think he's I think he's a solid player. He wasn't he wasn't high on the list of edges, but I mean, we already talked that edge wasn't a particularly strong position in this draft anyway. I think he was a first-round talent and borderline first-round talent. And if you're a good team like they are, you could afford to take a risk, you know, that late in the round anyway. If it doesn't work out, they'll just come back and do it again next year because they'll be picking around this level. It's, it's not like they're going to be picking up in the top 10 next year. Um, you know, so I quite like that. Um Lower down, it was quite interesting, actually. I started looking a, a little bit deeper into the draft class. They took Cleveland, the guard, in the third round from uh, from Jordan. Love that pick. Love that pick. Yeah. Love um, it. He, I just like those sort of players. And what I like that the Ravens do consistently in the draft, if you look at anyone they picked, down to like Sean Wade, Ben Mason, those guys, they pick value, but they also pick value at sort of big-time programs. They essentially do what guys like Mayock think they're doing. They draft guys that have been in big situations and played for big teams and started for big teams. Now, you can argue that 
Okay, they've you know maybe maybe you don't know how they project to the pros, but I would say if you're going to draft somebody and you take them from a big program, you're a little bit more confident that they'll project to the pros because at least they've played in games that matter. You know, one of the issues, you know, not to not to keep bringing my team into it, but we talked about Lance earlier. One of the issues there is North Dakota State. Who the fuck are North Dakota State? You know that that's the concern, isn't it? To go from North Dakota State to playing the Seahawks in you know, at the at their stadium with the pipe ten crowd noise. Sorry, <laughs> I just had to try and slip that one in. See if Jordan noticed. No, but like, there's a big there's a big chasm there between taking a guy that's played Division two college ball and suddenly asking him to win on the road. You know, it's a, it's a big thing. So what the Ravens tend to do, I think, is go after players that have been in big stadiums, big situations, and guys that can fight in the trenches. Too, you know. I, I can vividly remember years ago them taking like you know guys like Ben Grubbs and people like that in the first round, and people are going, "Why the fuck are they taking guards in the first round?" But it's what they do, and they know it, and they know it works. And in their division, you know, you're playing the Steelers, classic three-four team, always have been, probably always will be. You know, the Browns are now a big physical team. You know, um, you know it, it's that sort of thing. Even the Bengals, to an extent, although you don't necessarily think of them as a hugely physical team, it's six games a year where you're going to have to win the battle at the line of scrimmage, and they mm. draft like that's what they need to do. So I like what they're there. When I look at what the Ravens do, what they, for me, they're the, 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 I mean, Ozzy Newsom's not there anymore, but his, his fingerprints are still all over everything they do as a GM, yeah. you know. To Costa, isn't it? Yeah, to Costa. And what they, what they do is, is just the, the, the make the draft come to them. They yeah. just they don't know a draft. They sit cool. They never, like, you know, like, and they just seem to pick value. I mean, Bateman, you know, you've got the best two route runners out of the draft have landed mm. in the AFC North, oh, you know, in, uh, in Bateman and, um, in chase, you know, Bateman's releases off the line of scrimmage are something to be of a marvel. You know, he's going to see a lot of press coverage, but his releases are amazing off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. He's perfect. You know, you look at what they did later on. I don't think that Kellen Wallace was somebody who they wanted. Yeah, but I think they looked at the value and they went, Well, Kellen Wallace is there, we'll have him. And I think the same was for Sean Wade. Yeah, I, I don't think they came. Down. I have I, Wallace I, I, down. explosive playmaker, and I don't think they were necessarily looking for that type of player. I think they wanted the physical receivers, but if he's there... Yeah, you know, take, do, do you know what I noticed is, is, is if you go back to 2019, Tillon Wallace was a first-round talent and he'd done his knee in that year. He was being slated at the back end around one and a lot of people were slating him to Green Bay and early mocks and things like that. And he'd done his ACL. Decided to go back to Oklahoma State, obviously, with his, with his ACL. And, uh, and came back and he had a good year this year. The ACL mm -hmm. didn't actually slow him down. If the Ravens can get him back to something and think, oh, a year removed from that injury, we'll get the 19, we'll get the 2019 Tillon Wallace. What a steal that pick will look. And they did, the same with, they did the same with Sean Wade. Sean yeah. Wade was on a field with a Cuda, Arnett, and, um, and he was playing nickel corner. And when I was watching Ohio in that film, Sean Wade looked like the best corner of the had. He played nickel. He was six foot one. He was a really good tackler. He was excellent on the blitz. He was the best tackling corner yeah, of the 2019. Yeah. And I scouted him because I thought he was going to come out. Decided to go back to Ohio and they put him at outside corner. He didn't look good at all. <laughs> the first thing Baltimore already said is they said, well, we're going to play him at nickel. 
And, it's, yeah. and, and I, I genuinely believe they've got a first-round talent who might be, you know, who'll come in as nickel at day one and will be absolutely fantastic there. Yeah. And they've got yeah. them, what, round five or something like that? It was round that's five, a, yeah. It was round that's, five. How good, that's how good that franchise is. You know, they lost Marshall Yander. They went out and got Zaytler. Then they drafted Ben Cleveland. It's quite evident that they want to get back to running the ball. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, they, they didn't. never that. They struggled a little bit last year to run it, particularly through the middle. And I think yeah, they rectified that. that. Yeah, they didn't really have that up the middle running game, did they? It was all option yeah. stuff, basically. And it worked. Full stretch, yeah. But it's yeah. Good, you know... I the club's going to catch up with you at some point. I, I don't know. I, I, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everything you've said there, really. I think, um, I think the um, Sean Wade. I think he, he's the classic Ravens pick of like he's undervalued by so many people. He'll sit probably and play depth a little bit, and then suddenly he'll explode on the scene, and people will go, "Where the hell did they get him from?" You know, he, he, that's that's like the typical Ravens pick to me. Um, I, yeah, I love a lot of what they did. Uh, let's talk concerns because I do have some, and it's it's a big reason why I picked the Browns over the Ravens. It's nothing tangible, so it probably sounds like bollocks when I say it out loud, but I'm talking from painful 49er fan experience here. The Ravens OC is, uh, is a guy called Greg Roman, um, and he's been there a couple of years, and he's done... He's done some good work with Jackson. You know, they've got a lot out of him. He was at MVP for him, what, two years ago, I think. Um, my concern is that when the NFL catches up, which, let's face it, no matter how good an athlete is, no matter how transcendent they are, eventually the NFL does catch up. And then we've been here before with, with Kaepernick, people saying he was going to be, Ron Jaworski saying he could be the best quarterback of all time and things like that. Lamar to me, is, well, one, he's a better athlete. You know, I, I'm not for a minute going to say that there's a difference there. Lamar is a ridiculous athlete. He's developed as a thrower too. But my concern is that if that if teams can find a way to take that threat away, what else has he got? You know, how well can they develop the other side of his game? They're trying to help him more than probably more than I, I am making the Kaepernick comparison a lot but it's the nearest I can think of to him and I don't I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the skill set is exactly the same but there are similarities Kaepernick to me they never really surrounded him with enough talent to make it work they tried with one or two you know they, they got older people like Anquan Bolden they got you know they drafted receivers in the first round but we'll not talk about AJ Jenkins but like the the thing that the Ravens are doing is is genuinely trying to help him along as a passer, but it just there's just that thing of like they've been nearly men in the playoffs now for for two years running, and it's kind of like this is exactly where I would have been probably eight years ago sitting here now thinking yeah we're on the verge again, but how are we going to get past that step? And when I look at the Ravens, I kind of see the same thing. I. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like they've addressed some defensive stuff, but one of the biggest problems that they had last year was ultimately when it came down to it against Tennessee and the old run-heavy offense, they couldn't stop him. And I don't know they've got better in that. They, you know, I, I can see that they've replaced some of the guys they've lost. I can see they've kept some experience around, but I don't know. There's something nagging at me about, about them in the playoffs. There's just, that, there's just that thing missing. I think they can beat teams that they're supposed to beat. And I think they can match teams that are on their level. But I just don't know when it comes down to it. 
there's a bit of a lack of depth as well. I mentioned that earlier. I look at the roster and I kind of go, natural attrition of an NFL season. Mm, are there concerns there? Yeah, I think there are. It, it, there's just little bits about them that there's a reason why they've always been here and not been able to get over that last bit. And I just, I'm still seeing it. And the thing is, the teams behind them are now trying to catch them up. The Steelers are an interesting one. I'm interested to hear what Bones is going to say. But the Browns, the Browns behind them now, to me, are pretty much on that level. And the division's going to come down to those, those games that are probably going to be wars. Baltimore and Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and in Baltimore. And Baltimore and Cleveland, which has got the natural rivalry anyway. You know, two two times a year. There's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna decide the division. And if the Ravens make the slow start they did last year, they won't have the opportunity to recover this time. They have to start well. If they start well, I think they'll be fine, but they have to start well and they have to win those big divisional games. And then Lamar's got it all to prove. To me, when the lights come on in January, he's, he's got to do it this time. I'm not saying discard him if he doesn't, but I think if he's if he's truly going to step into that, you know, level one tier, I think he's going to have to do it this year. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good breakdown and a good balance. I like Baltimore. The truth of the matter is, Lamar Lamar's not going to be asked very rarely to throw the ball more than twenty times a game. They're going to want to run it. They want to going to run it frequently. They've got J.K. Dobbins last year to be able to do just that. You know what I mean? They've got they've got a, they've got a Hill as well. You know who's in the backfield. Yeah. Another you know they've got the year before. You know they're going to want to run it. They're going to want to run it. They've got Gus Edwards who's back there as well. Got a nice stable, a physical, ball pounding running backs and Lamar. You know they're going they're, they're going. That's what they're going to want to do. You know I they're going to want to run. I think that what um, helps this year is like I, I totally agree with. They're going to want to run it, but in a lot of the games, especially the Bills game in the playoffs. You knew they were going to run it, and then the Bills just found them out. This year, at least they've got some weapons to be a bit more versatile. That helps them out. I'm not saying it. I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to help them massively, but you just saw it, didn't you? You knew what was going to happen in front of you yeah. most of the time. Yeah. You know, they had Andrews and Marcus Brown didn't have the best year. You had when Lamar were throwing it, he would try to force it into Mark Andrews a high percent of the time. At least there's yeah. some other options there from this yeah. year going into it. But I do agree with with John. I look at the the depth and stuff and a few injuries on that offensive line, it, it could stop the chances of a good season. Who do they got behind Lamar Jackson this year? They had Griffin, but he didn't make sense. Trace, Trace McSorley and nothing. Trace McSorley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, but that's... I mean, well. I mean, somebody mentioned in the comments Lamar's stomach and it is a legitimate concern because if Lamar goes down, you're not fancying Trace McSorley to come in and do much, are you? Like, you know? No, absolutely um, not. Absolutely not. So that's the that's that, I think that was the biggest question I came out with. Some of it is like 49 fan PTSD because of Greg Roman and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing I came out of it with was depth concerns. Just like, yeah, I look at the 22 and I think they've got a great team. But then I look at the 53 and I go, mm, mm. that's be interesting. Yeah, good, good points. Well, Bones, you've been sitting patiently. Um, we're finally on the... Um, the Pittsburgh. I was going to say your Pittsburgh Steelers, but you're not a Steelers fan. <laughs> but you're, play, you're, you're playing a Steelers fan in this episode. I so um, you know what 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 you what you got to say about the Steelers this off season? I think I think the Steelers are an interesting one. We all know basically this this is Big Ben's last year. Like Big Big Ben's not back after this year. And I think I've said it in the chat before. I think the best thing about the off season is like it, it is that this element of. Every team is both good and bad at the same time. The, 
we don't know until the season starts. They're, they're both amazing and shite simultaneously. And that's what's, and I, to be honest, this, this division in general, everyone drafted pretty well. It was hard to look at the Steelers and look for, like when I was looking for one to question, I was like, I'm going to have to pick a good pick that I just looked at like, Ooh. And then I looked at, like, it, it's been really hard. So I think I came out with them overall being like a B plus. Nothing's perfect, but nothing's bad. Like, I think there, there are a few things that they lost in free agency. So Ponce retired, Pouncey retired, which is their big center. And that's, he's going to be hard to replace. No matter what they do, he's he, like, he's not an easy player to, to just bring, get, like, get someone in, even out of the draft to replace this guy. Like, Bud Dupree was another big one that I think a lot of people were saying to the Steelers losing Bud Dupree was pretty rough for them. But no, I like I really liked the Steelers draft. So like for for the like what I loved about the draft and it's it's around one running back like but Najee Harris for the Steelers is a good pick. Like if you look at them last year, they were like last in offensive like rushing yards in the AFC North, which we've already discussed. Is a run heavy, like it's a run first division. Pretty much every team in this division is a run first team, and yeah, they they really didn't have the guy running. They had a couple of different options at running, but no, they didn't have a solid running back really. It felt like all year, and I think that really hindered them. Um, Najee Harris comes out of college like he's a big, like physical running back. He broke what all basically all of Bam. What did I write down? Bama's. Rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and almost beat Henry's SEC 20, what, 2015 rushing touchdowns record. If he'd rushed a couple more times instead of caught a couple more touchdowns, he would have beat Henry's record, basically. But, you know, he didn't. So they, that's all it comes down to. But, yeah, I mean, he he is going to be an every down back. He is reliable. The only thing I would say about him is this, this is the thing we say about every early running back is this guy's already played a ton of snaps at college. But we said it in the in the draft recap though. If they get his full first contract out of him and he plays like he did at Bama, especially with this being Big Ben's last year, they want someone who's going to come in and play now. And I think Najee will come in and play now at running back for them. Um, and I, yeah, I just I can't can't bad mouth it. Fryermouth was another one that I quite like. The only thing I found about him was there was mixed reviews on whether he was good at blocking or not. Like some people said he was a good blocking tight end, some people said he wasn't. But the what everyone agreed on was that he's pretty good receiving tight end, especially like in the second round. Pitts is Pitts was always going to go immediately. Like he he was the best tight end in this class. But in terms of like. The next best fire move was a, seems like a good pick for the Steelers. Like, as I hope that for their sake, that the blocking he's good, he's better at blocking than he like than some people say he is. It didn't look too bad in his tape, but I think there were moments where it did look like he got beat or he just let a linebacker just go straight past him and nail the quarterback. And it, there's, yeah, there were points where it probably could have been better, but I think they can work that out. Um, I think the biggest head scratcher for everyone that looks at the Steelers draft will have been that that move up for um, is it Loudermilk. Is that, I don't know how you meant to pronounce it, but uh, Isaiah Loudermilk or whatever, they moved up. They gave away next year's fourth to move up, and they did need to replace Bud Dupree. And this guy is going to play on the defensive line. He's going to play in, in the trenches there for them. But he might have still been there, is the weird thing that everyone's saying now. is like, did they really need to move up to go and get him? But 
if he works out, he works out, and and that's. But I think that's the biggest head scratch. I think the. I don't even know that he'll start like necessarily. I think a lot of people have said that he could replace um, Hayward in the long term. Um, but the one that first when I saw the draft when we were watching the draft, the one that first made me scratch my head because I'd not seen anything about him was the punter they took in like the seventh round. Because I was like, who? Like I honestly hadn't looked at any punters like. It's rare you see a punter actually picked. It ever, like, and I mean, this guy looks interesting. Like, he's huge. This dude is massive for a punter. What is it, Presley Harvin the third? Is that? I guess that's his full name. Um, yeah, he he's got. Some, I mean, he's got some good tape. He he does drop like he can he can kick that ball. Like every kick is a boomer. Like it feels like, and they often drop in good places. This guy seems to be able to throw as well. Like he's he's got a decent arm on him. Um, yeah, I mean, they did, they needed. I mean, a lot of people say they needed an upgrade at the punter position. So to get that guy in the seventh, I mean, they, I mean, they could have taken the chance on him being an undrafted free agent. But when I watched his tape, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I like this pick actually. Like, I, I I questioned it at first, but I take it back immediately. I, I hope he really does do well. But I think the biggest like steal that you, I, I saw in the in the Steelers draft, and maybe this is personal bias because I did look at this guy for the Lions drafting him at some point, was uh, Quincy Roche. I- I've heard it pronounced like three different ways. It's Roche, Roach, or Roch. Like, it depends who you ask, but Quincy Roche, like this, I looked at him as a Lions linebacker. As you know, like I was saying going into the draft, I wanted linebackers. I wanted a linebacker this year, so I was looking at everybody, basically. And Roche came up a few times as like good outside linebacker. He'll He'll be a monster on special teams right away, and I think that is going to be good. Like that's he's going to be great to watch. He's he's got uh, he's got motor. Like he doesn't seem to give up when he is pass rushing. Like he's a pass rushing linebacker for sure. Like he's not. I don't think he's going to play in the middle. He's not going to be pass coverage. I think he's going to be situational. He's not going to be every down on the field. I don't think. But for what his sixth round was it? Yeah, yeah it was sixth a- round. Sixth round pick, like if he's if he is a monster on special teams and he is a good situational edge rusher to replace Bud Dupree, for example, a bit, like it's a good, it's a really good value at where he was. I think he was overall like 174th and they got him 200 and something. So it's a good value linebacker for them. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, overall, the Steelers didn't go into the draft, I think, in a position where they could just go best player available they did need to address a couple of needs and i think they did address a couple of needs they got a couple of offensive linemen picked this year um was it green in the third round he's he's a pretty like he's gonna be a good guard like i know yeah. you're not gonna replace P- pouncy this year you're never gonna do it like he he is replaceable and not re- like i've heard that said and I, I like that that is a good way to put it he's replaceable but not replaceable like it's like if Ragnar left Lions for me, I think. Like, it'd be so hard to replace that center. He's good, and they need to keep him. So, yeah, like, it's good that they managed to pick that up. And they need they needed a running back. And I think Najee is the right pick in, in the division. I think, obviously, people had Najee and ETN very close together. ETN's more, like, he's got... Yeah, but... I think Naji. I think Naji's a good, solid power back to have in the AFC North, and uh, yeah, it's going to suit that. It's going to suit that division. He's going to. If, if you're looking for a running back to carry the ball twenty plus times a game, Naji Harris has got the frame, and he's good in the receiving game. I think they're going to look at him and they're going to think, mm, maybe a bit of left balance on there. 
he's good at pass blocking as well, which is, you know, he's going to hold up in all aspects of the game. I'm not for running backs in round one, as you all know my argument. But where the Steelers were, were they weren't going to get anybody in round two. It was either take Najee here or, you know, ATN, Williams. They're all off the ball by then. You're looking at Michael Carter, you know, like who might have been the fourth running back. You know what I mean? Get the first round running back whilst you get him, you know, especially like, when they were picking. It's like we said in one of the draft episodes as well. I think by the point they were drafting as well, because they did have a reasonably good year, they they needed to address the offensive line, but the top like three, four, five offensive line guys were all gone. The number one running back in the class is is still right there, and you really need a running back. I, yeah, yeah. I know we're against taking running backs in the first, but that was probably actually I really did like that pick for them, and I do love to see a nice run game. Uh, you know, I support I support a North team like we all like. Yeah. Like you said, it is a run-heavy yeah. region of the country, due to, mainly due to the weather. Like you got to run the ball in the north; it raining or snowing half the time. Like, yeah. I think. Um, Sorry, go I was going to say Kendrick Green. I was going to say Kendrick Green. You know, I loved Kendrick Green. All the chat I was giving you is in awe. You know, I loved Kendrick Green. Really, really athletic. Had a really good senior ball. I think it was our pro deal. He really shone there, you know. And, he, and I just loved him. I just loved him as a prospect, you know. Like, and the fact that the, the fact that they got in and they got him in round three, where it was, I thought marvelous pick. He gives them a bit of versatility. Center or guard, I think he might find his home at center there. And um, I really like what they did there. And um, Dan Moore. Well, they wanted to maybe, maybe could they have took an offensive tackle in round two instead of Fryermouth? Who knows? But Fryermouth, I think, was consensus tight end number two on most boards. He was well rounded, you know, like, and, and they haven't had a tight end since Keith Miller. Uh, they tried to fix it with Eric Ebron and players like that, but, you know, yeah. like, you know, they're going to need, you're going to need a tight end in that division, you know. What were you going to say, Jordan? Mate? I was going to say it worked out quite well this year because I'm, I'm a big Kendrick Green fan as well. But when they when they picked up um, Fairmouth, I thought, although they, like you said, they do need they did need a tight end, you know, with um, uh, with Vance McDonald's retiring. Um, I, I thought to myself, there were Josh Myers and Creed Humphrey still on board, and I didn't know if it were going to come back to bite them. But in the end, up it worked all right for them with um, picking up Kendrick Green in round three. So, but at the time, I was thinking, oh, are they going to shoot themselves in the foot here? But I, I, I love Kendrick Green. I think he's um, he's going to he's going to fit in perfectly. Like probably will be uh, probably will be the centre there for for the Steelers. Yeah, I think it's just like when I was looking at like value picks that the Steelers got, who they got where. I was like, it was tough to pick between Roche and Green for who was at the pick they were picked at better value for where they were sort of get like where they were slated to get picked. Like Green was still there in round three is is really good for them. Like. It's just, I just really like Roche. That's a real personal bias on the steel pick, but I, I love Roche. I hope he I hope he plays well for them. Yeah, Temple tough. Used to be at the Temple before you went to Miami Roche, so it'll be a tough it'll be tough, you'll probably go down well. I'm just looking at the at the draft board now. I've just I've just loaded it up there and I'm thinking like they took Fryermouth pick twenty three in the second round. Could they have took offensive tackle? You know, and I'm looking at the board and you know, there wasn't really a, another offensive tackle taken in round two. Um, they'd missed out on Cosme and players like that by then. So maybe Fryermouth was, uh, Fryermouth really was good value there. Because um, like you said, they came back and they got green in round three and I think it worked out well for them, like, you know. 
he'll be a good I think he'll be a good receiving tight end for them as well. It's like they've got the wide receivers. Like we know that. Like as as much as there were points last year where we all hated Juju Smith Schuster, like he's still a good wide receiver. Claypool had a had a good rookie year as as these things go. Like I, I think he'll do well next year as well. And I think Frymouth will add to that for them. He does seem to be a pretty good receiving tight end. I know there's a few people who have compared him to Gronk, but every time a good tight end is in the draft, they always yeah. get compared to Gronk. <laughs> Hawkins white tight end to Gronk. Like, yeah, white tight ends are Gronk, just like short, small, shifty, colored uh, wide receivers are always uh, yeah, Hill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Always, oh, yeah. Tyreek Hill, you know? <laughs> If you're yeah. small of African heritage, under five foot ten and fast, you're Tyreek Hill. And if you're white <laughs> and, and you know, like, and, and, and you're tight end, you're Gronk. You know, it's really lazy. Do you know, Jordan? Here's a question for you. I'll ask Jordan this because I'm sure Jordan did a scout on him, and I'll ask you all. Okay, in round two they took Fryermouth, and then they came back in round three and they took Kendrick Green. Would their draft have looked better had they took, say, for example, Jalen Mayfield, the tackle out of Michigan in round two? And then came back and got Kendrick Green. What do you think there, Jordan? Um, I don't know because I, I thought that, I think that you probably got onto something there because I think there's still some. Don't get me wrong, I like Fryermouth, but I think still, there were some good tight ends that went. Um, I think when did Trey McKitty? They had with Trey McKitty. Trevin Jordan dropped down the board, which were a massive surprise. Um, God, yeah. I can't remember where Trey McKitty went. Did he go in the third Trey McKitty to um, Chargers? Yeah, he went to the third, I think. Yeah, so I suppose if they really wanted the tight end, then fire him out for the one. But I can't think who else went. I don't think many tight ends went in the end up, did they? I'm trying to think some off my head now. Hunter Long went, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure where. But as a as a more of a chance of being an all-round tight end, Pat Firemouth is probably, obviously, the one, really. So if they really were high on him, I'd, I think that, you could argue that what you said is um, taking Jalen Mayfield, but I, 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 I like it. I, I don't mind. I, I like, especially if I'm getting Kendrick Green. I think the guard were the two. The two needs were running back and a guard. The main needs for me right at the start. And I thought they might go guard early. You know, like um, in the first round with Landon Dickinson or something. But they went Najee, which again I, I don't mind. You know, I, I liked it. I, I like the first three picks. To be honest, we had. I want to change much, but I, I see your point with Jalen Mayfield. He, he, because he went late, he went. Did he go early round three? Didn't he, Jalen Mayfield? He went. Yeah, he went like the Falcons with the fourth pick of uh, round three. So you know, like he went before the pick. I mean, Bones, have you got anything more to add on the Steelers? I mean, I'm sure you've done some. I'm sure you've done it. You, you've probably got more to add on them, or maybe I don't know. I think overall, like I think they, I think they did fairly well. I think in free agency. They, they didn't really like they lost a couple people but they and they didn't make any big signings because most of what they did was keep people around like yeah they had like i think they had smith schuster to resign this year didn't they and that that was probably the biggest part of their cap for this year is bringing him back in he wasn't cheap was he uh, no um so like yeah i think there were a couple i think i think Louder Milk is really the biggest reach on their board. I think otherwise they did well. They need they they could have maybe picked up a couple more in the secondary. They they don't have the best secondary, but they did get a few undrafted free agents in at secondary, which you never know. Training camp they might pan out. They might end up at least depth picks for them. But yeah. I don't think they've done terribly. I think the whole 
division has done well though. Like it's really hard to look at them and go, they did better than anyone else. I think most of these in that they actually picked will probably make the starting roster. Like not the starting roster, but the final fifty-three, if you know like I think they'll make it through training camp and they'll at least see depth and yeah, I, I this, this it's Big Ben's last year. They've got the wide receivers. They've, they've just got a tight end. They've got a running back now. They're giving him the weapons going into it. And like George said, they've addressed that guard with Green, which, like we've said before, if you don't have a good line in front of these players, like you're never going to get anything done. So they need they yeah. did need to address that. Um, but yeah, I think this gives Big Ben the best shot he's going to have going into this final year of his career. And everyone loves a good story. As much as we say, like... Browns or Ravens or whoever will will win the division. I think everyone, there's a small part of every single person that says, I hope Big Ben wins this year. I hope he goes to the Super Bowl and comes. Oh, I'm going that bloody well here. <laughs> Stalin, he's a felon, isn't he? He got done flat touching in the toilet cubicles, didn't he? he you know, like you know, like early in his career in a, in a, in a nightclub, he got, you know, there was some room. I was like, uh, there was some room. I was like, he was there. Uh, Allegedly, you know, like there was there was there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a bit of a sexual offence there, like you know, which got swept under the, which got swept under the rug by a massive large check. You know what I mean? So yeah. well, you know, it's something to look at, like you know. But yeah, I know what you're saying, though, Big Ben. You know, it's his last year, and and worst case, I've given the best option. I think the worst case is going to be the same as last year. If Najee Harris hopefully touch wood that he dunks out, I want to see a full season out of him. I love him. I think he's a fantastic running back. Can't wait to watch him. But worst case, if he does get injured, they're in the same boat as last year. When they faltered at the back end, they had no running game whatsoever. You know, like, and it, it just collapsed, didn't it? That like, the second half of the season yeah. or late second half of the season, it absolutely collapsed. It went. You couldn't believe you were looking at the same team. You know, it, it, yeah. it couldn't. It couldn't do it. There was so much pressure on. Ben, on Ben Roethlisberg, he had no couldn't hand. You got booming Benny Schnell in the backfield, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're all putting Benny Schnell <laughs> hitting the line and minus two yards every time. It, mm. it was just it was horrible to watch. Really, I must admit. Yeah, yeah, and teams knew that, didn't they? Teams knew that. We'll put it on Ben's army. You'll not be able to beat one. And the went I don't think paid a part. You don't want to be don't want to be throwing the ball to win games with Big Ben and his noodle arm at this age of his career. In their wins, you know, Mike Hilton's going to be a miss. You know, we were talking about him earlier on as a as a good signing for the Bengals. He's one of the better nickel corners out there in the NFL. I think he'll be a miss. Um, well, I mean, that's wrapped it up. I mean, we'll move on before we cut out, and we'll and, and we'll just go to a roundup of the division, and we'll just have a prediction for how it, how we think it's going to stand. I think we'll probably all agree that the Bengals are going to be mopping up down the bottom of this division. I think. I think we'll all agree that in fourth place it's probably going to be the Bengals. They might be in with a shot for the number one pick next year in the draft. Um, I think they'd like to think they'd win six or seven games. The truth is they might win three. Um, you know, it's, it, it, they're, they're lost as... Whilst it's improved, they're in a very, very tough division and they've got a very tough schedule this year, which doesn't look favourable for them. I've, so, I've got- are we in... I've gone four and four, four and thirteen, zero and six in the division. Twenty pound heading to your oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think four, four and four and uh, four is probably about right. Probably about right. So we've got Bengals. We've got Bengals at the bottom. Who we're saying is going to come up third in this division? 
I don't know. I don't know. Who, who do we think? I think Steelers. I think Steelers. I think it's got Steelers, hasn't it? I think it's Big Ben. Um, it's like, it's I've, one got, of I've got them as a 9 and 8. 9 and 8 team this year. Logically, my, logically my head says the Steelers will be number three. But my my heart and my love of a good NFL story says I want I want the Steelers to just go all the way this year and absolutely smash it because it's just it's just a story in it. And that that yeah. would be a good one for his final year to say goodbye yeah. on. Yeah, it would be his third Super Bowl as well, wouldn't it, if you won it? Yeah. You know, God that you know when you look at that draft class of that year, you know, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls. Rivers didn't win one, but God he did it. You had 17 kids in that time frame, at least, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, who's the yeah. so at least, we, at least we know he was getting hit, like, you know what I mean? So, they were, they were, they were all winners. So, we're going to, I, I think the Steelers will be, will, 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 will win nine games this year and they'll be in third place. I think they'll, they'll be in the shot for a wild card. Um, yeah. Ravens or Browns, this is a big question, you know. Ravens or Browns, who's going to take the championship this year? Who do you have, John? Who do you think? What do you think? I, I've got the Browns. I've got the Browns. I think they'll do just enough. I don't think they're going to like run away with it or anything, but I think they'll do just enough. They deserve some, you know, Bones, you talk about a good story. Talk about a franchise that deserves oh, a few I mean, it's, it's a fellow Owen 16 franchise, so I, I also <laughs> would love to see yeah. them make it. Like, they're, they're, we've got a bond, an, an unspoken bond of Owen 16 teams. So, yeah, <laughs> I fancy him to if make, can make it. You can too. If they can yeah, make it, that's it. That's it. If, <laughs> if the Browns can do this, then it's not over for the Lions. We can still do this. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but I've got, I've got the Ravens as being um, second in this franchise as well. I think the second team is franchise because it's such a tough franchise. Mm. Is going to probably win about eleven games, and I think they'll probably be guaranteed a spot in the wild card. You know, like positions in the playoffs, and I don't think anybody's going to want to play them. But I think the Ravens are, are, are probably good for about 11 wins a season and will probably come second in this division. And I've got the Browns topping it. You know, I think yeah. the Browns, are, they've just got such a good roster. They've got players like Greedy Williams coming back, Grant Delphick coming back, Denzel Ward. You know, you throw Greg Newsome into there. We're talking about Big Ten corners. Don't drop Big Ten corners in the first round. But he just totally suits their, their system. He's a really good zone corner. You know, they've, they've got Jock who'll come in. Um, I think he'll play a bit of everything. They've got Garrett. They've got Clowney. You know, you look at this roster and you think, where, where's where's the obvious hole? Where is the obvious hole? Older Beckham Jr. coming back, Landry in the slot. You know, you've got you've, you've just got such a good team on that field. I don't, and if Mayfield can be what we saw at the end of the season, I think they're in a good 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 spot, you know? Yeah. The good, the good thing about Newsom going back to him, um, there's no pressure of him to start. You know, no. obviously if they get injured, he'll be thrown in and stuff. He can, he can, he'll be in for a few snaps maybe if they're playing three, you know, uh, three quarterbacks maybe. But, but you've got you've got Troy Hill and um, what's the guy's name? I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Justice Johnson Johnson from the Rams. Yeah. Is that who you meant? Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, so that thing here. But yeah, I've got, I couldn't I couldn't split them. I had Browns and Ravens, both 12 and 5, but Browns taking it on um, division division wins. <laughs> yeah. It's a close one between so, them two. Uh, but I, yeah, that's say, where I was. That's where I was, really. And are you, are you the same bones? Have you got Browns at the top? Yeah, I think Browns. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's hard to argue with any of the points already made. I think the Ravens, the Ravens should be. It's such a hard division. They're both going to be. They're going to have high wins on the top three teams in this division, no matter what. I think like they're going to be over five hundred records, every single one of them. And yeah, I think I want. I would love to see the Browns be the be the winners of this division, and hopefully, like go further because, like we've already established, if the Browns can do it, then. Like, yeah, I'd love to see Jackson do well as well. Like, he does need to, like, like John was saying when he was talking about the Ravens, like, Jackson does need to have a season where he really does do well. So it's kind of one of those years for all three of the teams that could do well, where I don't think I'd hate it if any of them did do well, like, as much as... Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Um, like... So we're going, we're going against the green here a little bit because the boogies have got Baltimore as the favourites. Yeah. So the the third and short, you know, like overtime boys are saying, get your money on the get your money on the Browns. Why they're six to four. Yeah, they're six to four on um on on most betting outlets. William Hill got them six to four. Eight 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 got them six to four. By the way, if you want to sponsor us, eight 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 or William Hill, you know. Just drop right in Boston. You know, I'm not really a betting guy. I'm from the recovery community. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I've proven, if anything else, you know, I'll sell me soul for a bit of dollar. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll quite happily uh, be sponsored by you. But, yeah, um, Sky Sports and things like that. Of course, I've got mid-6-4. So, that's not a bad little bet, is it? Like, you know, if you, if you were wanting to have a flip on out to win this division, um, Cincinnati Bengals are way out at 25. Pittsburgh are 4-1. Baltimore are the favourites, six to five, six to five. Baltimore, seven to five. Cleveland, not an awful lot in it, is there? So that that nicely rounds up our, our inaugural, our first um, overtime podcast. And please, for those that stuck with us, we went a bit over, but hey, it was to be. What can we do? It was to be expected. We've got mouth almighty here as the host, and we've got you know, like, and, and we've got people who have clearly done their own work on the franchises and choosing. We've got the NFC North next week. Um, I'm still undecided whether Bones gets to have the Lions or whether I give them somebody else, and I take the Lions, so it's impartial. But um, uh, the, I'm uh, okay with that. <laughs> but we'll, um, you know, but we'll, no, actually, I think I'll probably let you have the Lions. You can have the Lions, Bones, and, and give us, you know, your fans' view of it. But yeah, thanks everybody for coming. You know, um, you can find us on Twitter. This is a new pod. We'll be doing a lot of stuff like this. But um, has anybody got anything to say before I tell everybody to bug off? <laughs> As always, it's a pleasure, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hope you enjoyed but, it. Yeah, thanks ever so much. And yeah, that's that done. Jamie, you can stop the feed, mate.